we actually in Australia have been on fire, like, like not just Holy Ghost fire, like we've been on fire, bushfires. And uh, the, the, the amount of land that was actually burnt out was, was similar to the size, I think, of the United Kingdom. So just to give you an idea, like it's not just a, a little backyard fire that kind of blew up and they got some photos. It's a, it's a stack of fire, been two and a half thousand homes or something like that lost. And uh, your firefighters, a bunch of them, came over to serve us. And uh, it's just another example of the friendship that we share as nations. In fact, I think two or three of your boys actually uh, got killed in the line of duty. Um, one of the, uh, the water bombing aircraft went down. And, and uh, so I'm, we, we're very indebted to the relationship and uh, the fires are, have subsided now. We have it, live in, like you guys, a pretty wild nation. There were bushfires and now there's floods all over the place. Um, we, 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 the, the air quality in Australia had almost never been as bad as it, it had been over the last period of time. We was, in some t- cases, some of our cities were the worst air conditions anywhere in the world. You, you know the, the air conditions are bad in Sydney when I land in LA and take a deep breath and go, ah, oh, fresh air, right? Um, we, we got out of it for a little while and uh, took the family uh, on a cruise with the kids and the grandkids. And uh, I, I remember being at a little island uh, in the Pacific called Lifu. And uh, it reminded me, honey, of, of our, our second honeymoon. We had to have a second one because our first one, we kind of argued a fair bit, um, just being real. I, would talk, I said, we, we were arguing. Yeah, yeah, we did. I think even on our wedding night, we were arguing, but that's a whole other story. Um, and, uh, and we had a, a trip to um, Tahiti, and Valerie was, was kind of swimming, wallowing in the, in the shallows, beautiful, pristine water, and she dragged her foot across a rock, and she went, ow! And I went, what's up, babe? And, and all of a sudden, there was blood in the water, and it wasn't a rock, it was actually a deadly stonefish that actually uh, she dragged a foot across and stung her. The, the, par- the paralysis started to come up her leg, and what actually happens... It goes, um, and then eventually it hits the heart. So we quickly got her to the infirmary, and there was a nurse there, an Aussie nurse, in a French kind of a setting, um, who, who was attending her named Jane. And Jane is starting to panic. Now, how many know when the medical team is panicking, it's time to just worry a little bit? Jane's flicking furiously through a book on poisonous, deadly fish. And, uh, and Valerie looks at Jane and said, Jane... You don't need to worry. I'm not going to die. I've got unfulfilled destiny over my life. You know, when Jesus is king of your heart, and Pastor Julian said this in one of the earlier services, he said, he said when, when you process something in the presence of God, the prophetic comes out. When you process something outside of the presence of God, you end up with a problem. And uh, Valerie actually spoke out what was in her heart prophetically in that moment based upon Christ the King in her, Jesus our King, King Jesus in her heart. Not the only time she's been bitten. We were in Bogota, Colombia. And uh, anyone from Bogota, Colombia? We, uh, we were there, we'd actually had an audience with the president there, a bunch of pastors, uh, morning tea, and we were taking photos after, outside the palace. 
And the person taking photos saying, step back, step back, step back. And all of a sudden, I heard a dog yelp and Valerie go, ah, she trod on a dog and the dog lashed out and bit her on the calf. Now, the dog did not look like what one of your dogs would look like. It was looking a bit mangy. They said it was the vice president's dog. And so we didn't know whether it was rabid or not. So she had to have rabies injection. Within moments, we ended up in the office of the vice president, with the vice president and his medical team. And uh, not the most salubrious way to get an audience with greatness, though. You'd agree. When, when John was on the Isle of Patmos, they kicked him off the mainland, the Apostle John, because he was witnessing to everything that moved. He was telling about Jesus. They said, let's get this guy out of here before he does more damage. An island, obscure island called Patmos. And it was there that God downloaded to him the book of Revelation. I wanna read you a couple of verses. And in fact, it's a little glimpse. He gets a little glimpse into heaven. And it's something that you and I are gonna experience for eternity. Um, in verse one of chapter four of the book of Revelation, it says, and after this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet, imagine a voice like a trumpet, said, come up here, and I'll show you what, you must, what must take place after this. John says, at once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven. This is the throne of God, King Jesus. There was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. In the front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These were the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. When we think about King Jesus, and I know this is only the second in the series, often when I get to preach uh, I don't have to preach a new message every week. I've got some good messages and uh, kind of warm them up and say, God, which one do you want me to share? Um, but when Pastor Julian asked, would I come and chime into the series, I really, I, I had a look at a couple of messages on the kingdom of God and nothing seemed to go. So I just want you to know, this is a brand new message for you this morning. I've preached it twice before, the nine and the 11. I believe that God wants to say something to some people here today. We see here a glimpse of the throne of the living God. It's awesome. We think about King Jesus, it's not baby Jesus. You know, you, you do get some traditions and they really almost deify the baby Jesus in the manger. Others, it's, 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 it's all about Jesus on the cross. He, almost like he's still there. The man, God, God, man, lying dead, on, uh, hanging dead on a cross. Others, particularly some of the art over the years, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of, you know, cra like, cra like, it's kind of weird. This Jesus that you and I worship, this King Jesus is the one depicted here. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords sitting on a throne that is blasting out with thunder and lightning. That's the God that we worship. 
There's lots of other examples in the scripture of, of thrones. The book of Esther, in fact, the, 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 Jewish, peop, the, the Jewish community celebrate Purim, um, which means casting of lots. Uh, it's one of their festivals. It's actually on March the 11th, so just under a month from here. And then Passover, not long after that, about a month later on April, I think, the 9th this year. Uh, but Purim is taken out of the book of Esther. And uh, it's, it's an example, one example of, the, of the, the most powerful deliverance of the children of Israel. King, king Ahasuerus was actually king at the time. He oversaw 127 provinces from India down to Ethiopia. And uh, his, his wife Vashti uh, was, was, was actually pushed aside. And, uh, and, and a young Jewish girl by the name of Esther uh, pitched in for the job. She got the job, to cut a long story short, and became the queen. Her uncle, Mordecai, got wind of a plan by the other dastardly character in the story, a guy named Haman, who frankly is a type of Satan. He wanted to not only wipe out Mordecai, he wanted to totally obliterate the Jewish people from that entire kingdom. So Mordecai says to to, uh, Esther, he says, Esther, basically you need to do something about that. And she comes back to him, and you can find this at the end of, of Esther chapter four. She comes back to him and says, she says, but you don't understand, unless the king summons me, which he hasn't done for 30 days, and I just rock up, then I could be killed. Everyone in the kingdom knows that. Like, like Mordecai, get a clue. He comes back to her and says, my little niece, he doesn't say niece, but she is his niece, What makes you think that if the Jews are exterminated that you're gonna escape just because you're in the king's house? You'll get caught up with the rest of us. And then he says this really powerful thing. And I wanna prophesy that of everyone here. He said, yet who knows whether you've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you know the day before every revival was a day like today? The day before that first prayer meeting, I think Jeremy Lanfia up in New York City that just caught like wildfire. The day before that was like a day like today. Up in England, some of the great, the Welsh revivals. The day before the revival hit was a day like today. But something happened in the hearts of men and women where they realized that they were sick and tired of going through the motions of church. They actually believed the reality that God had brought them into the kingdom for such a time as this. And she said, you gotta help me. For three days and three nights, we're all gonna fast. What a coincidence, huh? Three days, three nights, it's kind of like some other things that we read. Because God knows no coincidence or accident. He wants us to tie some of those things together. He wants us to tie the fact that three days and three nights of fasting where they had sackcloth and ashes was the same amount of time as he was in the tomb before he rose from the dead. The number three comes up time and time again. There were three crosses on Calvary. There was three denials by Peter. There was three inscriptions on the top of the cross. That'll be the Holy Spirit, just tell him to, uh, I'm I'm, I'm making good progress. So Esther 
as, he, as she approached her husband, who hadn't called for her for a month, Esther approaches the throne in absolute fear and trepidation. She doesn't know whether this will be her last dance. She, you can imagine, she's, her, her little heart is beating 10 to a dozen in her chest. Her knees are knocking together. She's, her mouth is dry. She doesn't know. On one hand, she's got the potential salvation of her entire people group. On the other hand, she doesn't know what sort of mood she's gonna catch the king in. So it's in that context that she, she approaches the king. Some of us treat God like that. Yes, he is. King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, he is that same King Jesus on the throne that we've just seen a bit of a glimpse of in the book of Revelation. But, 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 but Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 says that you can come boldly before the throne of God's grace in order to receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Esther approaches the king. If he, if he extends the golden scepter, it's indicative that he's receiving her. She approaches fear and trepidation. She reaches out and grabs it. Good timing. He asks her, what is it that you want me to do? She, he says, I'll grant you up to half the kingdom. She knows that she's getting the favor of God. And yet, in the whole book of Esther, the name of God is not mentioned once. The other, the other feast of deliverance, like I said, happens about a month after the feast of Purim. Purim's a great time of celebration. Anyone from a Messianic Jewish background or a Jewish background will know it's party central as, as, they, as they rejoice. And you say, why, why Purim? What's it called that for? It's the casting of lots because Haman used the casting of lots from his atheistic perspective in order to fly in the face of the children of Israel and says, your God's not gonna do anything. I'm gonna cast lots about when you will be utterly wiped out. Purim, a celebration of deliverance. And yet, God seems to be underhanded in his way of operation, very different to the Passover, which of course has dramatic miracles. The 10 plagues, the, the, the parting of the Red Sea, Moses' party trick with the rod and the snake. You see, as the song goes, even when you don't feel him, he's working. Even when you can't see him, he's working. God is, God is working in your life as King Jesus every single day. God delivered the Israelites, the, the Jewish people in that moment and they celebrated today. You can come boldly before the throne of grace. Let's flip it over. Let's, let's, let's say goodbye to King Ahasuerus and, and say hello to King Jesus. Come on, get rid of the cape there, Jesus. Jo John chapter 19. And let me, let, let me tell you the story rather than read a chapter and verse. It's, it's a really interesting kind of surround there. The, the, the governor, Pontius Pilate, who was the, who was the envoy of, of Rome, his biggest goal was trying to, tr trying to keep the thing, keep the peace, keep the thing, keep, keep unrest at bay. Unrest for him could have meant his job or his life. 
And so anything that would pop up, which is really why he talked to Jesus and got into some pretty philosophical discussions about Jesus himself, uh, what is truth. Uh, you, you know that his wife had a crazy dream. Some of you would have read that. And uh, keep away from that Jesus. He tried to, in a half-baked way, release Jesus and, and, uh, and, and, uh, um, and, 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 and get this other criminal uh, killed. Uh, the crowd wouldn't l- let it happen. Crucify him, crucify him. They said he tried to wash his hands of the whole thing. The whole thing surrounded this whole notion of, of was Jesus a king? It was the accusation that the Jews had against Jesus in trying to use the fact that in some way he was competing with Caesar, which was a big no-no. So you can imagine the consternation in Pilate's heart when Jesus, having been in, had the inquisition from Pilate, Jesus hanging dead on a cross, died for your sins and mine, water and blood poured out his side. Prior to that, Pilate had to decide what he would put as the inscription on top of the cross. He wrote, Jesus the Nazarene, he was the king of the Jews. The Jewish, they said, the, the, the priest, no, 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 you gotta pull that down. What you meant to write was Jesus the Nazarene, we're okay with that. He said he was the king of the Jews. Pilate stared this angry mob down and said, what I've written, I have written. He wrote it in three languages. In Latin, in Greek, and in Hebrew. You say, well, obviously multilingual, they spoke different languages, and and that was so they could all understand. I wonder if that's all it was. You see, Latin, being the Roman Empire, was the language of human government and power. Greek, on the other hand, was the prevailing language of commerce and culture. Hebrew was the language of religion and family. So I wonder if there's something in this. Jesus, not only king of the Jews, but King Jesus, lord over human government and power. Lord over... Commerce, money, culture, fame, lord over religion, righteousness. And so it is that Jesus is on the throne of our hearts. I think there's a propensity, I know this happens in Australia. And I'm very much, I believe in the grace, the unfettered grace of God. But if we're not careful, we lose that sense of reverence in the whole thing. Grace becomes some sloppy coverall. It's like, Jesus. (laughs) Sorry about that. He's so cool. Don't you love Jesus? (laughs) But after a while, it's amazing how how, how it just gets a bit uncomfortable. And and when we think about governance, it's like maybe maybe self-governance. And 
slide in there, Jesus. <laughs> it's kind of come. We, we can coexist here on the throne of my heart, hey? It's a bit squeezy. Like, I get, I get it. I get it. That, 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 that this is where you belong, but somehow it's kind of hard. <laughs> you understand grace to let it go. You know, the, the money that I moved out here to make, uh, I, know, I know I had some good success. I had some, some, some great callbacks and, and, and the business started to go great. But somehow it's not going so great anymore. So if you just, if you just squeeze over, it's really hard for both of us to be here. Um, you know, I find myself just torn so often. I find myself, Jesus, thank you that you're, that you're on the throne of my heart. And, and, and God, I really, genuinely, I, I, want to, I want to actually use the gifts that you've given me in order to build the resource to bless my family in the kingdom of God. And, and, yet, and yet, I haven't heard. There's been no calls. And, uh, and, and, you know, the bank manager called the other day and things are getting a bit jittery. And so, and so I, I, I totally trust you to do what you say you're gonna do, but if only we could, if I could just help you a little bit, that would be really, really cool. And I do this. Maybe you don't, I do. Jesus, you're not one to fight for the position on my, on my, on my throne of my heart. <laughs> it's kind of roomy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm available. Yeah, it's great. Yep, yeah, deal. Deal, deal, deal. Yep, yeah, we're shooting for the stars. Yeah, baby. not kind of turning out how I thought. But, but it's going to be okay. We're, we're going for broke. <laughs> Big or go home, right? And, and spiritually, you know, I, I've been a really good person. Uh, I, I gave him the offering like Pastor Julian. I actually put 110 bucks in, not 100. <laughs> and uh, I pray when things don't work out. And sometimes I read my Bible and I really want to be a good Christian, Jesus. Why do I feel so empty? I got to this point in my 20-somethings. It's like 15 years ago now, but it's... Uh, it... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and... Honestly, for me, my escape was, was, was alcohol, partying. I can't ever remember being single before I met my wife. And you say, oh, wow, ladies' man. No, no, I was so pathetically insecure. I could not be single. I was losing control. But I could shake your hand firmly, look you in the eye, crack a joke, light up, light up a room. But I was dying. Tipped it over the edge a few times. 
crashed a few cars, nearly got killed a couple of times. Finally, as Michael Murphy stripped away, I slunk. I didn't boldly go. I slunk off the throne of my heart. I can honestly tell you, I've never looked back. Now, have I, have I at times jumped in again, tried to squeeze in? No, only every day. <laughs> Coming from a bit of a religious background, it's very easy for me to try and tally up God points. The revelation of grace where it wasn't about what I do, but what he has done. Oh man, that was huge. I love the scripture where it says, he says, give me your heart. My son, my daughter, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Proverbs chapter 23 Verse four, it says, hey, guard your heart. There's gonna be a fight. The scripture doesn't say the, the author of, of Proverbs, the smartest dude that ever lived, they say, doesn't say guard your heart because there's not a fight. Doesn't say guard your heart because it's gonna be easy. Doesn't say guard your heart because it's gonna be okay to give it over. He says guard your heart. Because that's the way they're gonna move into all of the future that God has given you. That's the way that even in the midst of what you're going through right now. See, I had this time in my 30-somethings, then I met my beautiful wife. And we fell in love. We met and married in six months. I wouldn't recommend that to everyone. <laughs> it consequently meant that all our premarital stuff We'd already been hitched and we were going through it. Honey, honey, please just give my wife a, a, a beautiful welcome as she comes. Come on. <clears throat> Watch this, Jesus, you'll remember this. So Valerie and I are fighting like cat and dog. Do you have that saying here? We, we're just arguing. We can't get, like we're both stubborn I was talking to her before, I said, honey, I'm gonna talk about our first year of marriage, is that okay? And I said, you know, we were making a mess of it. And she actually said, yeah, you, you particularly were making a mess of it. <laughs> uh, she, my wife, you never die wondering with my wife. She's my chili pepper, though she's not Latino, but she could be. <laughs> and uh, my gift to the marriage was sarcasm. It's the 10th gift of the Holy Spirit. No, it's not. So I would, she would start igniting and I'd, I'd, I'd pour gasoline on and then have the insolence and the arrogance to sit back and go, hmm, can't even keep yourself in control, huh? I, was, I had a bad. My wife had a marriage as a younger girl 
that lasted a couple of years and her, her husband at the time walked out with someone else. I'd been living with a girl that didn't work, uh, in and out of relationships. We brought a lot of brokenness to the relationship. One week, you remember the week we invited, I won't say who, but two notable couples over to our house on different nights, Tuesday and Thursday. And I always believe in a backup, a backup plan, right? And, and, and the first couple that came over, they had the biggest fight they'd ever had in, in, in their marriage on the way over. So they were a fat lot of good they were, right? The next couple, well, not much better, to be honest. Tried to help, but, but in the midst of it, I don't know who God gave this to, whether it was you or me, but we had this sense that when, when you feel the temperature rising, who will I feel the temperature? When, when, when things were going south, whomever was more in control would grab the hand of the other and would go into the bedroom. Keep it clean. And would kneel down beside the bed. And we would say something like, God, we're messed up. Oh God, we're not making a fist at, Lord, help us. I don't know the answer. So, so we brought the presence of God. It was the most intelligent thing we'd ever done. And I'm honestly here, we're here today to say that we've been married 37 years. We've got three amazing kids and amazing grandkids who all love Jesus. And we should be a statistic. Now listen, you might have been through the pain of marriage breakdown. There's no condemnation. There's all sorts here. 70% of you are single or single again or whatever. So I'm not talking about just this example. What's your thing? What's the thing in your heart that you're tempted to jump on the throne like we were trying to work, out, work it out? What's that thing in the marketplace? What's that thing in your finances? What's that anxiety that you're trying to sort out? What's that relational challenge that you have? What's that angry outburst? What's that career issue? Would you have the humility and the courage to fly the white flag before the throne of God, King Jesus, come before him say, God, I don't know the answer. I promise you, some of you need to do that before the sun goes down tonight. Take a moment aside, go into your bedroom, shut the door, go somewhere in front of the lounge and just say, God, about that thing. And some of you know exactly what it is because right now it's, 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 it's right there. I tell you, God has an answer for that. God has an answer for that. For others here, your relationship with Jesus. Let's be real. You're here and we're delighted you are, but you're bumping along the bottom spiritually. God would not have you stay there. God's saying, no, no, there are fresh moments and weeks and months and years of spiritual verve of a sense of, 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 of ignition in your heart, of, of joy, unspeakable and full of glory, of the peace that's evaded you. Even for someone that prayed a prayer a long time ago, that's not my question. It's what's going on right now. What's going on right now? For those of you, bless you, for those of you that have never ever made a decision to consciously submit your heart, invite Him 
to be King Jesus on the throne of your heart.